Welcome to An Apple a Day, a podcast, a resource, a community. Share your experiences and learn from others as we overcome barriers and learn to live a happy and healthy life. Not as disabled people, but as people with a disability. Welcome to the community. Here's your host, Jimmy Apple. Welcome to another episode of An Apple a Day. I'm your host, Jimmy Apple. How you feeling today, my friends? You're feeling good? You're feeling strong? You're feeling better than you did yesterday? Excellent. You can't ask for better than that. Let me ask you something. How many times have you driven to the store, looked for an accessible parking spot, seen the little blue guy with the wheelchair, and all the spots are taken? But then you happen to look at the cars and you notice that two out of three cars don't have the placard in the window. They don't have the little icon on the license plate. And here you are looking and you use a wheelchair or you use a walker and you can't find a spot close enough to the the storefront and you have to make a choice. Do you wait around for someone to leave the store that might be in one of those parking spots? Or do you look for a spot close enough that you might be able to maneuver your way out of your vehicle with your wheelchair or your walker or your rollator or that you can walk to with your cane? Or you just give up and go shopping tomorrow and just do without what you need from the store. It shouldn't be like that, right? Well, on today's podcast, we have a gentleman named Mac Marsh. He's the CEO of a company called Parking Mobility, and they've created an app that you can actually take a picture of a car that's parked in an accessible parking spot otherwise known as a handicapped parking spot that shouldn't be in that spot, that doesn't have a handicapped placket in the window or on the license plate, or one of these other nuts that could, and this could be someone that does have a handicapped parking placket that parks in the hashtags. And you, they know that they shouldn't be parked in the hashtags. The hashtags are there for a reason. And that's to let people that have a wheelchair, that has a handicapped van, that has the ramp van that you have to wheel the wheelchair out of, to give them space to get out of their vehicle. But they park there anyway. Because a lot of times, some people say they don't know, which I think is a lie. I think it's because they just don't care. But we're going to discuss that today with Mac Marsh. He's from Parking Mobility. And this app that he has is a way for people with disabilities to fight back. You can take a picture of this vehicle legally and send a report in. And it goes to the powers that be. So I want you to sit back and relax and listen to what Mac has to tell us about this app that gives people with disabilities a weapon to fight back against people that 
that take the accessible spots meant for people with disabilities. As it is, they're few and far between when you look at the amount of regular parking spots that are in parking lots. There are very few accessible parking spots in major parking lots. Go to Walmart and see how many accessible parking spots are in their parking lots. Or any major department store or big box store, whatever you want to call them nowadays. So sit back, relax, listen to what Mac Marsh has to tell us about this app from Parking Mobility. Okay, so I'm here with Mac Marsh, and he's the CEO of Parking Mobility. Now, he's going to explain to you exactly what that is, and believe me, we've spoke about this before. So, welcome to the podcast, Mac. Thanks, Jimmy. I appreciate you having me. Oh, I appreciate you being here. This is this is a powerful thing that you're doing. So, why don't you explain to our listeners what parking mobility is? So, parking mobility is a holistic solution for accessible parking abuse. That's the, about the fastest and quickest way I can say it. Uh, it's it's a big program. It starts at its core with the Apple. Uh, I'm sorry, with the uh, parking mobility app, which is how we gather data, and it goes all the way through to providing uh, enforcement programs and uh, offender education programs. We do a lot of partnerships with law enforcement and judges and community leaders across the country. In a nutshell, what it is, is you're actually helping people, helping people with disabilities to fight back against people who park in handicapped parking spots who shouldn't be parking in handicapped parking spots. That's certainly a a big part of what we do. So a, a lot of the violations that are reported through the app are people that don't have the credentials to park in an accessible parking space. But we've also found that a lot of times it's people with disabilities that are violating as well. Uh, So people who have a plate or a placard that are parked in the access aisles or the striped areas adjacent to accessible parking spaces, they don't understand why those spaces are so important to be left open. For folks like yourself and, and myself who use ramp vans and, you know, use power wheelchairs, we need that extra clearance to be able to enter and exit our vehicle and when someone is is blocking that area we're unable to to access our community and so that's a big part of it we also uh, see a lot of folks that you know report a vehicle that doesn't have a plate or a placard parked in an accessible space and then the person who shows up once that citation's been issued actually has a disability they just maybe forgot to put their placard up um, and that's okay. There's leniency in the program. We have a, what we call our forgot to hang program. And it's where people can, uh, once they've gotten that citation, they can have that citation dismissed. Once they take a, a short online class to learn why they have to put those placards up every time, if they're going to use accessible parking spaces, if they do it again, if they repeat offend, uh, the judge doesn't let them say, I forgot again, because they had that class. And so now they're going to be held accountable. And so it's really 
yes, it's about giving people with disabilities the power to to address a, a serious issue in their lives. Uh, but a lot of it is really educating uh, ourselves and, and others in our community. Well, you know, I understand what you're saying, but after a while, it gets to it gets to the point that it's almost like it's almost like putting a hamster on an exercise wheel. They know that they're not supposed to park there, and people with handicap placards. I'm sorry, they know they're not supposed to park in the hashtag area. They know this. Sure. And but how much education so- do we have to give people? So a big part of it is that this problem has existed for a very long time. It's not a priority for law enforcement. It's not a priority for elected officials because they don't have a disability. They don't see it themselves, so they don't understand the impact that it has on a person with a disability. Uh, The data that we collect helps them understand that. But what happens is once you're in a community that has adopted our enforcement program, has adopted our education program, then you don't see the prevalence of of violations. You don't see people forgetting to hang their placard. It's a, you know, it's kind of a a two-pronged approach. Yes, that education absolutely is important, and we've proven that it's education that changes behavior, not just enforcement. But that education has to be leveraged with enforcement. And so when you have increased enforcement, and that leveraged education, we do change people's behavior. We've reduced violations by as much as 87% in partner communities. We don't see violations in those partner communities because we have changed people's behavior. You don't, you don't think that the fines are more of a deterrent than education? No, high fines are actually uh, pose a bigger problem. We've looked at that for many years now. Um, We actually advocate uh, for lowering fines. Uh, High fines do not change behavior, and here's why. Judges are the ones that have to impose those fines, and judges don't understand this issue. Judges do not know why those fines are so high. They see it as punitive. Um, it's a it's a small infraction to the judges. It's akin to someone who just double parked, and they they see it as something that's minor. And so, when they have a law that says here's the minimum fine of five hundred dollars, which is what it is in Texas for a first offense, the judges go, "That's not fair to hold this single mom accountable for five hundred dollar fines," and so they dismiss the the case. What that does over time is it, enforces, it reinforces the idea that nobody really cares about these spaces so everybody can park there. And so when you have dismissal rates of 80, 85 percent, like we've seen in most communities across the country, that's what happens. You get a bigger problem. We advocate for reasonable fine amounts. Uh, we think the right fine amount is somewhere between three and four hundred dollars uh, for a first offense. But that has to be paired with an offender education class, kind of like a safe driving for a speeding ticket. Uh, If you get that first ticket and you take this class, we will waive the fine. Uh, You'll still have to pay a small fee because, you know, there's that whole idea of perceived value. Uh, So you still have to pay a small fee, take the class. And as long as you don't repeat offend, then we'll dismiss your ticket. 
And what we've seen is by doing it that way, we have a less than 1% recidivism rate. We've had over 25,000 people that have taken one of our offender education classes, and we've had six people who have repeat offended. Wouldn't it be almost 0%. Wouldn't it be smarter to give the, give the judges this, this class? And we actually do (laughs) make them learn because you, you know what? If if it was the judges reserve parking, I guarantee you they wouldn't be they wouldn't be throwing away the fine. Sure. See, one of the most sure. one of the most discriminated against minorities in this country are the people with disabilities. And they just, you know, push them to the side all the time. That's why that bothers me what you're saying that They'll just dismiss the case. That well, does- but judges, so judges have a lot of discretion, and, and they do that not just for accessible parking, but for lots of other issues as well. And, and we see some judges that have particular biases and, and, and those sorts of things. What we do with, with parking mobility is we build a partnership. We actually do, in our partner communities, those judges do take the class because they want to know what it's about. They want to see why are, why am I making people take this class and what are they learning when they take this class? And it does open the judge's eyes. We've had, I've had several judges who have come to me afterwards and said, you know, I never really understood this. Um, and, and most of the people that are getting dismissals actually never see the actual judge. They show up to the clerk's office, and the mm-hmm. judge gives the clerks the, the discretion to dismiss those citations because they don't want heavy dockets. You know, they don't want a whole bunch of what they see as minor infractions on their dockets because that takes up time and money and resources and everything else. With parking mobility, that offender education class, that partnership that we build with the courts helps keep their dockets clean because less than 1% of our cases ever even, I'm sorry, less than 3% of our cases ever actually go to court. Because of that offender education, most people opt for that education course instead of having to go to court and and potentially have to pay that big high fine. Um, But then when they take the course, you know, they're initially taking it just because they want to save money. Right. But then they take the course, they learn things, they learn something um, it changes their behavior. We're actually pretty proud of the course. We use it as a recruiting tool. We have a lot of people that are volunteers in the program that got a ticket, took the class, realized what a big problem it was, called us and said, I want to be a part of the solution. And they became volunteers in the program. Excellent. So that's the sort of thing that we're trying to, to do with parking mobility is to build partnerships um, to help educate people, make it personal, make them understand that this is something that impacts them, whether or not they use accessible parking, because it really does impact everybody in the community. Well, don't don't mind me. I'm just playing devil's advocate with you. No worries. <laughs> but it does. It it sounds it sounds phenomenal. If it if if it's working as you're saying, that's phenomenal. That's excellent. It does. And and we have one community, uh, in in fact, our very first community that we deployed in. Uh, that in the third year of the program, we didn't we didn't issue a single citation to someone who lived in that community. Uh, we issued a thousand citations that year, but they were all to people from other communities. So we changed the behavior of the people who lived in that community. 
we just have to do this everywhere. And that's what parking mobility affords as well. So it's not just about solving this problem here in my community. I needed to solve this problem in everybody's community. So when people use the parking mobility app, they're helping us grow. They're helping us become part of new communities uh, because they're helping us educate those community leaders. Ultimately, we'd like to be everywhere in the country. Ultimately, we'd like to be able to have a program that enforces and educates everywhere so that when visitors come to my community, they already know the rules and they're not going to infract. Well, the one thing that impresses me about your company is that everybody that works, or from what I could see, everybody that works with your company has a disability. So, yep. So we we're actually a nonprofit organization. Uh, we were started. Five of us got together over a beer summit one Friday night, <laughs> talking about what you know what problems of the world we could solve using technology. All of us had a disability. Uh, we talked about employment. We talked about housing. We talked about transportation. Uh, we talked about all of these things that impact the disability community, and the things that we've all individually worked on. Uh, in various aspects of our lives. And we landed on parking mobility mainly because we thought it was a really simple thing to solve. Uh, we learned a lot. It's not as simple <laughs> as we thought it was back then. Uh, I don't know if that was the beer or not. But, uh, <laughs> but, but when we decided to form as an organization, when we decided to start our business, we said we are going to hire people with disabilities. We're going to be governed by people with disabilities. So our board of directors are all people with disabilities with the exception of one and he happens to be the parent of a child with a disability so it's important for us to have a broad spectrum of the disability community involved with our with our organization but ultimately this organization belongs to people with disabilities not just us but all people with disabilities um, you know what, I, I, not to interrupt you, but I just want to point out something that you just said that it does my heart good to hear. You said people with disabilities, not disabled people. Right. There's a very big difference there. Yeah, we're, no, we're, we're very much about people first. Right. Um, There's no such and, thing as a disabled person. That means you, you, right. you're a broken person. We're exactly. all people with disabilities, not disabled people. Now, I will I will push back just a little bit on that because uh, just yesterday I was a little bit disabled. I fell off my tractor uh, and couldn't, <laughs> couldn't pull myself back up, and my wife had to come out and drag me over to my chair and help me get back into it. Uh, so I was a little bit disabled <laughs> then. But, but other than that, I am a person with a disability. There you go. There you go. But no... I, I despise that term, disabled people. I despise that. Well, I, and so similar, similarly, we don't talk about handicapped parking or disabled parking. We, nope. we prefer the term accessible parking. Exactly. Uh, because those, those spaces are the first point of failure to an accessible community. If you can't park, you can't go to the grocery <laughs> store or to the movies or the restaurant or that's to work. Right. That's right. And so uh, that's why we call it accessible parking and not handicapped parking or disabled parking. Exactly. Well, I've seen a couple of people that are handicapped parkers. <laughs> <laughs> that's true, too. <laughs> Nothing else wrong with them except they can't park. Uh, but, no, I, I, I'm, I'm blown away. Like I said to you, 
before. I heard about your company through uh, a dear friend of mine, Christy Taylor. She she runs a uh, a group out in Las Vegas for people with ataxia, and she had called me. She said, "Jimmy, have you ever heard of this?" And I said, "No, but I said, I'm very interested in it." And then I heard about it from another friend in Florida, who has is a group with people with ataxia. And what it was is I had just done this work with these people with these groups of people with ataxia and uh we had just done some work with the podcast with them and your your group came up and one of the things we were talking about was parking so it, it all fell into place but this is amazing we, that, that's our marketing plan uh is <laughs> yes. word of mouth uh we we started this really and said from the very beginning that we were going to be wholly self-funded, that we weren't going to do anything to try to monetize the technology or to, to try to sell the app or, you know, anything like that. We don't charge for the app. It's absolutely free uh, for anyone to use, and we encourage everyone to use it. But we said then that and recognized then that we were going to have problems in spreading the word. We really haven't. People find the app pretty regularly we have about 300,000 users worldwide so we you know we don't really have a problem people finding the app where we're stuck is getting people to actively use the app you know a lot of people want to know well you know why should i use the app if my city's not on board if if, you know if nothing's going to happen with my report why should i why should i report it the reality is if you want your city on board, you have to report because your city's never going to do anything about this issue on its own. This isn't something that's on the radar of every mayor in the country. Um, they have lots of other things to pay attention to. We make it really simple for you to be an advocate. When you use the app, you're advocating by building data, data that we then use to have those conversations with leaders of your community to get them to deploy the, the enforcement and education program. It's really about working together as the disability community, sharing a tool that can absolutely change the world. Uh, we've seen it locally. We know this would work and will work everywhere. Uh, we just need people to, to actively use the app. There are some states where you know, volunteer enforcement programs are problematic because of state law. In order to change that, we have to have data to have the conversation with those state legislators so that they understand why there needs to be volunteer enforcement programs, why people with disabilities need to be empowered to be able to have enforcement as part of their arsenal of of tools to be a part of their community. Uh, We need to have data in order to have conversations at the federal level. So as we look at changes to the ADA, as we look at, you know, things that happen from administration to administration, being able to advise those changes from a position of understanding the problem, and that's what data is, make sure that those changes make sense, you know, so that we're not just raising fines because that's what makes us feel good but that we're actually providing a mechanism to change behavior. That's the goal. It's not a 
matter of punishing people. It's about changing their behavior, getting them to not do it again. Now, I have a I have a couple of questions for you about the app itself. Sure. Now, when you download the app, it tells you you have to take three pictures of of the of the car, the offending right. vehicle. So you're taking a picture of the back of the car, right? Correct. But now that includes the license plate. Is that legal? Yes. So uh, any vehicle that's parked in public, um, in, in view of the public, it's perfectly legal to take that photograph. Okay. What we don't do and what we encourage people not to do is to take pictures of individuals. Not so much that that's illegal. It's not. You can take a photograph of a person who's in public. But that's a point of uh, possible confrontation. And confrontation is not a good thing. You don't want to confront someone who's parked illegally. Um, no matter how positively you try to do it, they're immediately going to go to anger. They're immediately going to go on the defensive. And, and it's not going to change their behavior, no matter what you say to them. And more often than not, it leads into a yelling match and nothing gets done except everybody goes away mad. When you take the photographs in the app, we encourage people to do it discreetly. There are three elements that have to be de demonstrated, and that's why we have the three photographs. One element is we have to have a clear photograph of the license plate. How else are we going to know who owns the vehicle other than being able to pull that data from our partner uh, databases? We have to have a clear photograph of the full front windshield, including the dashboard. Um, that's to show whether or not there's a placard present. And that's important even for those blocking violations, and I'll get to that in a little while. And then the third element is making sure that that vertical sign is visible. So at least one photograph must have the vehicle and the vertical sign that's marking the space. A lot of people think that the vertical sign is not necessary, but it is. Um, that's a federal requirement in every single state. In order for an accessible parking space to be enforceable, it must be marked by a vertical sign bearing the international symbol of disability. And so that's a required element. Now, even you if can, I'm sorry, even if the, 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 the street is painted with the wheelchair guy. Right. So I'm originally from Louisiana and we call that land. Yeah, that's a little bit extra. Um, that that painting on the ground is great to have because that further um, enforces that that is an accessible parking space, but that is not a requirement for enforceability. In order for the space to be enforceable, it must have that vertical sign. Ah, I learned something new here. Very good. We do we we know that it's possible to get those those three elements and fewer than three photographs. We only require two photographs so you can submit a report with just two photographs but if those three elements are not demonstrated in those photographs then our, when we review it it will not be accepted and every single report is reviewed whether or not it's in a in a partner community every single report is reviewed that's good to know and now we have the cleanest data in the country um, around this and it's because of that now, once that once this is submitted to you, where what happens next? Depends on where you are. So, if you're in a partner community, uh, then your report gets reviewed by our staff to make sure that those elements are there. 
Um, we pulled the Department of Motor Vehicle records to get the owner information of that for that vehicle and confirm that that is the, indeed the vehicle that's in that photograph. Once we've reviewed that uh, and all those and all that information is there, we don't review it to determine whether or not it's a violation. We just review it to make sure that all of the necessary data is there. That then gets sent up to the law enforcement officer uh, who then reviews that for enforceability. That officer looks at the three photographs. They look at the whole situation. They look at any notes that you may make in that report. And then they issue a citation. They can issue a citation. They can issue a warning letter um, in some instances, or they can kick it back for, for more information from the volunteer. That's very rare that they do that. Uh, or they can, you know, not uh, accept it. They can say that, that for some reason it's not an enforceable report. If it is an re enforceable report, they click a button. That report then gets migrated over to the court system. We integrate with the court records management system, so that creates a case in court. That generates the paperwork that then gets mailed to the owner of the vehicle, giving them their options uh, and how much time they have in order to to appear to either take care of that citation or to request a court date if they feel they're not guilty. Uh, less than 3% of our cases actually go to court, mainly because of that offender education option in every single community. Uh, that's something that we offer and we will not deploy the program if that's not a part of the program in that community. We've actually had communities that have wanted our, our enforcement program, but didn't wouldn't take it if it had to have the offender education class and we've walked away and said we won't do that because our goal isn't to generate revenue it does generate revenue for the community yeah <laughs> uh, right. lots of revenue for the community but our goal is to change behavior and to solve the problem and so we've had a couple of communities who have said we want the revenue that's generated by your enforcement well we don't want to educate people and we've said then you're not going to get our program if you report in a non-partner community, you'll get an email that lets you know that. Those reports are actually treated more importantly by our staff than those in partner communities because those are the reports that help gather the data to help us start to have those conversations with your community. Reports are absolutely critical to educating lawmakers, educating law enforcement, educating judges, educating uh, prosecutors, on the need for more enforcement and to get that community on board. That's the only way you can get your community on board with this program is to report. So the driver, the driver of the vehicle doesn't get any kind of no. contact right. from you. Right. We're, we're restricted by law that we cannot, we can't pull the owner information for that vehicle, except in our partner communities. We have to have a contractual relationship in order to pull uh, owner information from Department of Motor Vehicle Records. Okay. Okay. Makes sense. Where can our listeners get this app? It's in the, I'm, I'm sure it's in the Google App Store, right? Yep. It's in the Google App Store and the Apple App Store as well. Uh, at one point, we were integrated with BlackBerry, but they're not around anymore. So <laughs> um, we, we don't have Windows Phone app, uh, mainly because there's just not a big enough market for it. Uh, but it is available on any Google, Android device, or Apple device. 
and it's under parking mobility. Yep, just look up parking mobility. There's a similarly named app that came along after us called Park Mobile. Um, it's for paying for metered parking um, remotely using your phone. That's not us. Uh, we're parking mobility. And if you look, the developer name on it is called Coal Harbor Group. And we'll have that information in the show notes for this episode. So Sure. You can also just go to parkingmobility.com and click on Get the App. And it'll take you right to your to the right app store for your device. And we'll have that information in the show notes for, the, for this episode as well. And how you can contact Mac Marsh and his uh, associates for any more information. And you can sign up for their newsletter, which I did. It's very informational, keeps you in touch. And if you have questions, you can you can contact them directly. They they answer right away. We have a corporate uh, philosophy. Uh, so our company's philosophy is that if we receive any type of message, no matter what the platform, that we answer it within thirty minutes. Um, I, so if you email us, if you phone call us, if you Facebook us, if you uh, tweet us, if you. Uh, <laughs> Facebook messages. Um, I'm in the process today of getting us uh, up and running on threads. So, that, <laughs> um, so that when you contact us, you're going to get an answer. And we do that mainly because we are the disability community. We know how frustrating this problem is. Um, and we don't want to be a point of frustration. And I, I will tell you that if you call me at two o'clock in the morning, um, I do have an Australian accent. Uh, <laughs> my phone rings to one of our partner organizations down in Australia um, where they answer our phones at night. and We answer theirs on our daytime. So. I can attest to the fact that they do answer you right away because I, I took a shot and I wrote to them and asked them if they'd like to be a guest on the podcast. And I switched over to Facebook, and I got a message that I had. A, I had a message in my email, and sure enough, it was Mac saying he'd yep. love so, to. So the the report came through to our review staff. So we have support staff there on call. Uh, we all rotate. I take my turn doing it as well. Um, but that came through to report staff. Anytime someone requests any type of media, uh, so if it's a you know, television interview or radio or podcast or anything else uh, that immediately gets pinged over to me so that, so that that can happen quickly. Well, I have to say that this was only a couple of days ago <laughs> and here we are. I've, I've, I've had requests into other people and it take, it's taken a month for them to say <laughs> maybe. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so, and we don't, we, we don't want that type of frustration. We've been doing this for 13 years. Um, we enjoy doing it. It's something that we're passionate about because we are all affected by the problem. Um, but we also enjoy it because we know that we can make a difference because we've seen the difference we've made. And so we enjoy doing it, um, and we do it, I think, really, really well. And I, I believe you do. And I'm get I'm downloading the app on my phone today. So, Fantastic. 
And uh, we tell people all the time, try to break it. If if you can break it, that means we didn't build it right. <laughs> um, we have we have twenty four hour a day, seven day a week customer support. So if you have a problem with the app or it's not doing something that you think it ought to be doing, let us know. Um, if we do really encourage folks to do test reports. Uh, so just put TEST into the license plate blank, and our system will automatically just purge that from the from the uh, system. Um, we get pictures of people's couches and cats and all kind of stuff. Um, I do collect the weird and unusual, so I actually have photographs of horses that are parked illegally in accessible <laughs> parking spaces, uh, porta potties, and all kind of stuff. So. Uh, the the weirder and stranger violations you see, make sure you put them in there and in the comment section go, have you seen this before, Mac? <laughs> and I'll promise you it'll land on my desktop. Well, I, I, I tell you what, I have, a, I have a battery of doctor's appointments next week. And this one doctor's office that I go to, it's, there, there's several doctors in this, uh, this uh, complex. They have... A number of the, a number of handicapped parking spaces, but not enough to accommodate everyone that's going there. And people park so crazy that they're in the hashtag the hashtag uh, spots for the vans. They're in the no parking spots, and nobody does anything about this. So I'll be I'll be out there with my cat with my with my phone. I'll have a number of reports for you next week between Tuesday and Thursday. Fantastic. The more reports you do, the more information you get from us. Um, when One other thing that I would mention as well is that anybody that you know belongs to some community group, I know there are a lot of advocacy groups and advisory groups in, in some communities. If there's a group of five or more people who are interested in learning how we support local advocacy efforts, uh, give me a shout. We will schedule you uh, uh, one of our online town hall meetings where we can sit and talk about the issue, answer the questions of, of, that you have about the app and about the program, and describe how we can support you at the local level to be really good advocates to solve this problem in your community. Mac, I, I want to thank you so much for coming on with us today. And thank you for developing this app this is this is I, the only way i can describe it is it's phenomenal well we're pretty proud of it we're more proud of the results um, we do a lot to try to improve the app all the time uh, so if folks see something that they'd like us to improve on uh, certainly let us know the most frequent request feature request that we get is that people want to be able to upload photographs from their phone instead of having to take them in the app i will say that we cannot do that and the reason that we can't is has to do with our our law enforcement partners we have to be able to attest to the chain of custody we have to be able to certify that those photographs could not be altered when you take the apps or the photos within the app, they cannot be altered. There's no way that those photos can be altered. That's why we won't allow uploads because you would be able to alter that photograph before you uploaded it to us. And then we wouldn't be able to certify it. And then we wouldn't be trusted by the courts. And then we wouldn't have the results that we do. So that's one feature that we get asked a lot to do. Um, and it's probably where people get the most angry at us when we tell them we can't do that. 
but there's a reason for it. And it is that law enforcement requirement um, that keeps us from having to do that. But other than that, if there's something that we can do to make the app better for you, let us know. Um, we've had some people who uh, we've had, we've done some one-off working with. Uh, we had one young man in South Carolina who had really bad tremors and the photos that he sent in uh, were very blurry because he couldn't hold the, the camera still. Um, we actually sent one of our developers uh, to him in South Carolina, worked with him for a week, uh, and they in, we ended up building a damper, um, a technology damper that, that we loaded onto his phone that made all of his photographs clear as well. Um, really? So those are the types of things that we will absolutely do. Um, if there's something that keeps the app from being accessible to someone, let us know. We'll do everything we can to work with you to, to either improve the app itself or to come up with a solution that works for you. Excellent. Excellent. I, I'm gonna I want to encourage everybody that's listening to download this app. We've all talked about this before. We've talked about it here on the podcast. We've talked about it in, on Facebook. And we all have the same we all have the same attitude about this. We hate the fact that people use our you use the parking spaces, the accessible parking spaces that we need. They use them either as their own private spots. They use it to put uh, shopping carts there. <laughs> Here's a way to fight back. Here's a way to educate people. What, that we need these spots. Well, They're, here, here, this parking mobility is a way for you to take ownership in the solution. And that's really what we set out to do from the very beginning, to put ownership of the solution into the hands of those of us affected by the problem. No, don't just download the app, use the app. Use Report it. the violations that you see. The other thing that it does, and this is pretty cool, every time you report, that adds that spot into our inventory. And we have over a million parking spaces in our inventory. When you go onto the map that's in the app, it will show you those parking spaces that are in the inventory. I use it all the time when I'm traveling to new communities to find an accessible parking space wherever I'm going. Um, and so that creates another great tool for those of us that need spaces. When you're reporting, you're helping add to that uh, ability to, to map all of the accessible parking spaces in the country. There you go. Put your neighborhood on the map. That's right. Put your, put your neighborhood on the map. Again, Mac, thank you very much for being here today. And I, I hope to talk to you again. Jimmy, I really appreciate you having us on. And, you know, it's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you for everything that you do supporting the disability community. Uh, we'll certainly be listening in. I'm glad to have learned about your podcast. We'd love to come back on in a month or so and give you, or whenever you'll have us back on, and give you an update on, on some of the, the great stuff going on in the country because of the work that you're doing as well. You're welcome. You're welcome to come back on anytime you'd like. You tell me. Sounds great, Jimmy. All right, Mac. Thank you so much for being here today. I really appreciate it. Yes, sir. Thank you. Thank you.
I want to thank Mac Marsh for being here with us today and telling us about this great app. And I suggest that everybody go over to parkingmobility.com and download this app. You don't have to have a disability to download this app and you don't have to have a disability to want to see justice done. So go over to parkingmobility.com and download this app. The address will be in the show notes for this podcast. And I want to thank you, the listener, for being here again today. I appreciate it. I appreciate it every time you're here. And I want to remind you, no one ever went blind by looking at things from the bright side. So don't be afraid to give it a shot. And I have a secret for you. I have a secret I want to share with you. I have this secret of how to live a happy life. Live it. Live it. You know, forget what happened yesterday. Yesterday's already gone. Don't worry about what's going to happen tomorrow. Tomorrow's not promised. Live for today. Live today like today is going to be your last day. Be happy. Live happy. Do everything you have to do. Do everything you want to do. Do it today. Forget about what happened yesterday. Forget about what what you were able to do yesterday. Focus on what you can do right now. Try it. Your life will be much happier. Hey, you've been listening to An Apple A Day. My name is Jimmy Apple, and I'll talk to you again later on in the week. Have a great day today, my friends. Thanks for listening to An Apple A Day with Jimmy Apple, your gateway to a happy, healthy life. Join our community at www.famousapple.com. See you next time.